Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Scott Luden, Greg White here with you on Supply Chain Now. Welcome to today's live stream. Gregory, how are we doing? I am doing quite well. How are you doing? I am doing wonderful. Um, we have a big, big show teed up here today. Someone was just trying to ring me right before we went live there. I didn't have my yeah. ringer off. Hey, it's, that's that's, it's that's dangerous. How often that happens, right? <laughs> it's like 11.30 right as we start prep, and then at right? noon, Somebody calls you, and is it always a spam warning? It seems like mine's always a spam warning. Oh, you know, tire, tire car warranties, you name it. But uh, hey, all of that aside, Greg, on today's show, Big Show Teed Up, we're continuing a very popular limited-run featured series entitled Decoding Digital Transformation, sponsored by our friends at NextWorld. And folks, you can learn more about NextWorld at nextworld.net. Now, Greg, today's show mm-hmm. is a second of three installments we're going to be diving in on the critical question, what's next? All yeah. with a big-time guest and Greg Davis with Grant Thornton. Are you excited, Greg? I am for a lot of reasons. You know one of them. Should I announce it? Sure, please. Greg is from Kansas City and a big Chiefs fan himself. So we won't spend the whole show talking about that, folks, I promise. But <laughs> uh, always good to have a you know member of the kingdom present. And you know, there's a, there's a there's a uh, kind of a big deal going on in Kansas City tonight with the NFL draft, right? Yeah, yeah. I think what we should ask Greg. I think he's going to be there. Well, uh, I, we're going to we're going to talk that. We're talk golf. We're going to talk all yeah. about what's next when it comes to digital transformation. So, folks, get ready. And hey, as I see Barbara and Jim, uh, Jim from North Charlotte, Barbara from Nashville, Tennessee, Robbie from Tampa, Paul from Boston, Energite uh, uh, from uh, Delhi. Uh, in India. Hey, welcome everybody. We want to hear from you. So let us know what you're thinking as we work through this conversation over the next hour. So Greg, are we ready to bring on our featured guests here today? I am ready. These audiences are getting big. Aren't oh they? man. Remember when it was just you and me and Amanda? <laughs> yes, I do. As a matter of fact, uh, and you know what, beyond all the folks that make up our global supply chain family, they're the smartest audience in the business and i'm reminded every time we have these live events so yeah, that's true tons of insights that's right so we want to hear it y'all keep it coming so uh we're gonna marry our audience's insights and greg of course your color commentary with what we're gonna hear from our featured guests here today so let me introduce our guests so greg davis brings 26 years of systems and supply chain consulting for big names like arthur anderson pwc ibm you may have heard of those uh in the last 10 years at grant thornton now, he's experienced in the evolution of various tools and technologies across the enterprise and across many, many industries. Uh, Greg is a frequent speaker at global conferences. He's a thought leader, author of several publications focused on, we're all after this here, getting ROI out of your enterprise systems. On a personal level, Greg White, get this, Greg uh, Davis is a piano player. He's a big sports fan, the father of four, so he's busy all, all <laughs> every day, all day. Yeah, and he can beat Lyle Ekdahl in pickleball handily. Greg White, what do you Whoa. think about that? Talk about throwing down the gauntlet there. <laughs> right? So Next with, episode, 
That's right. Dex- Live pickleball matches. That's right. But uh, all of that being said, let's welcome in Greg Davis, principal at Grant Thornton. Hey, hey, Greg, how you doing? Hey, guys. How you doing? Doing great. Thank you. Pleasure to be with you. Thank well, you. great to see you. We've really enjoyed our pre-show conversations. we got a lot to get into here today. And by the way, I see Anja. Uh, Mark Nix is with us here today. And Gino. Gino, great to see you up in uh, North Alabama. Um, all right. So, Greg. Greg and Greg. Um, we'll start with a fun warm-up question, right? We were talking sports on the front end. Of course, you got the NFL draft. They're in Kansas City tonight. A lot of football fans ready for that. Folks, if you got, uh, if you know who's going to go first in the NFL draft, drop it in the comments. But I want to start with golf, Greg and Greg, because uh, Greg Davis, Grant Thornton, is a big supporter of golf and a sponsor of the PGA Tour. So both of y'all, and we'll start with Greg Davis, who is your favorite golfer and what is one of your favorite tournaments each year? You, Greg, or me, Greg? Uh, Greg Davis. Greg wow. Davis, you're you're our featured leadoff hitter today. Well, you know, I I grew up rooting for Tom Watson, right? So I'm a huge Tom Watson fan, always have been. But these days, you know, with Grant Thornton and, like you said, our sponsorship of the tour and and moving the game forward, I, I'm pulling for Ricky Fowler, you know, and I'm pulling for him to to get it back. And uh, wow. he's a he's a favorite in our household. So. Yes. And my favorite tournament is the players. You know, I've got the uh, the players championship is is our tournament that we've sponsored over the last several years. And and just that's where the you know, that's the top lineup in golf. And it's not one of the four key majors, you know, but it is all the pros right. recognize it as the fifth. They, major. Everybody says it's the fifth major. It know? is. And it's, it's a, it's a great place to be and a great tournament to see. So love that. Uh, and Hey, by the way, for our good, you, Greg white, we've got fellow Chiefs fans in the house. John right. is good morning from Kansas city, home of the NFL draft and chiefs kingdom. All right. I know right. that gets some smiles from everybody here. Greg white, your favorite golfer and one of your favorite tournaments. Yeah, my favorite golfer of all time is uh, uh, the late Payne Stewart mm. um, because he was really good at getting out of trouble because he was so good at getting into trouble. Uh, and it, it honestly, it encouraged me as a young golfer to to see that he could get in so much trouble and get out just like the rest of us. It yeah. kind of gives you, you know, gave you hope. Um, and I would have to say, gosh, it's such a toss up. I have a home tournament, of course, in Hilton Head, the our RBC Heritage. Um, but also, man, the the tour championship here in Atlanta, beautiful venue that East Lake is. Uh-huh. Um, the danger, uh, the big bucks, and you know, much like the players, not quite as big, but much like the players, the um, great, great um, lineup of players that you see there. It's it's a really fun tournament. It's an easy walk. It's a little bit hilly, like everything in Georgia, but. Uh, it's a pretty easy walk relative to, you know, some of the other courses that are that are played in hilly, hilly territory. Anyway. Love it. All right. We're going to see Greg Davis's and Greg White's golf game uh, live. We'll, we'll, we'll broadcast that maybe in the, the weeks ahead. But uh, uh, let's see here. We got uh, this- uh, about six months notice. <laughs> okay. Sawgrass is a great place. That's yeah. Sawgrass great. with that iconic uh, number 17. Right? Yeah. Uh, now, Timothy Scott says, He's from Colorado, tired of losing to Kansas City for eight years. So I'm assuming he might be a Broncos fan, Greg and Greg. Mm. Is that y'all think? Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. I wish I could have empathy. Well, hey, but he, 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 Tim, well but, Tim's uh, a good Tim's a good guy. He'll yeah. get over it. He'll get over yeah. it. <laughs> You're tough. It That's builds, right. Build character. 
Well, hey, one more little little tidbit around golf because I got to throw this in. Now, this is going to be real cliche, and I'm one of millions, but, man, big Tiger Woods fan, and it hurt my heart to see him get hurt in Augusta. You know, and, of course, he's had surgery after that. Uh, I hope he's got one more good run in him despite all that he's been through. Uh, I think it's good for the game for sure. Um, okay, folks, we got a ton to get into here today. So I want to switch gears and get into our decoding digital transformation. What's next theme here today? So I want to start with this. So Greg Davis, is, as when we introduce you, you know, you, you folks, he's seen it all just about, right? Especially when it comes to supply chain, you know, the ongoing evolution of industry, challenges, tools and technologies, you name it. And you've served in a wide variety of industries. So, Greg, before we get into the topic, tell us a little more about what uh, your journey, what you've seen. Yeah, I think you summed it up well. I mean, I've done a lot of systems consulting, you know, around the world for a long time. And, you know, a lot's changed. Um, and a lot, there's a lot of people out there. And I have a lot of lessons learned, too, mm. right, um, that, that, that helped me along the way. But, you know, there's a lot of people that put in systems, right? Try to use systems, try to grow their business. But at the end of the day, the thing I'm passionate about is the ROI that you're getting from all those activities, right? And the reality is that there's a lot of companies out there that just, you know, aren't looking at ROI. They're just looking at, they're coming into work, right? Putting out fires, right? Become expediters, if you will, you know, and they're not living the life, right? They're, they're, they're not enjoying their systems. And oftentimes the system becomes viewed as the problem or the constraint, right? Ah. And so anyway, what I do is I try to make sure that, that companies are getting ROI. They're getting a return, right? They're meeting their KPIs. That's what I'm passionate about. So most of the time, like you said, when I'm speaking at conferences or, or I've wrote a few publications, it's about getting the most out of your systems. It's about right. ERP governance or the map from ERP to ROI, you know, just because that's what's important. There's got to be a method of the madness. We don't just, as IT professionals and consultants, wake up wanting to implement, upgrade, optimize systems. You know, there's got to be a reason we're doing it. Right. So that's kind of that's that's my passion. You know, is the is the ROI side, and and I think Lyle on the first segment of this, he mentioned, you know, that he's a recovering, right, software executive, and I. <laughs> I'd say that I'm still an addict, you know, I'm still in the middle of a uh, VRP and I'm heavy in it and I'm still addicted to it on a daily basis. So, well, so Greg Davis, we're going to dive more into that in just a second, uh, your addiction there. And we're going to talk about the state of the ERP today and, and a little more there, a lot more to get into. But before we get there, Greg, I, I got to give you a chance, Greg White, to respond to what Greg just shared there about focusing on the outcomes and the ROI. Your thoughts, Greg White. Yeah, I mean, that's the key to any technology, right, uh, or any sort of process or organizational change that you undertake is to begin with the end in mind. You know, that's uh -huh. a firm belief of mine and then work back because working back from that goal will allow you to assess the processes and the technology and the people and their or and their organization in that you have in place and to understand better how you can meet that desired outcome by restructuring or, or adding or subtracting technologies or, or process steps and, and things like that. So um, as a recovering consultant, um, you know, that's one of the things they teach you in consulting school right, <laughs> is understand where you want to go, work your way back, understand what indicates a problem in a process, uh, right? And, and then work on that and find where the root cause of that is. So, 
you know, I think so many times, and Greg, I'm sure you've experienced this in a couple thousand implementations. I've experienced it a couple thousand times. Um, but that people think that simply plugging in a new technology solves the problem, right? Mm. Paradox where we just think, okay, everything should be fine now. And often it's sold that way. That's right. So there's good reason for people to think that way. But the reality of it is you're going to have to go through some conflagrations to, to change some process and maybe even some give some enlightenment to people to understand the desired outcomes so that they can deliver. Well said. All right. We're getting off to a fast start. So uh, folks, as we walk through this conversation, we've got six key tips, uh, tips, tips to take away from the conversation. <laughs> and we're going to, we're going to share those with you visually. So y'all get your, you know, if you're like me, you like taking lots of notes, 17 pages. We got a lot of good stuff coming before we get into the first one, Greg Davis, you already, you've got some fans here. You brought your fan club. I think this is Quentin, I think. And Amanda and Catherine, let me know if not. Uh, this says, we have used Greg D's roadmap and governance detail in the past. Great framework and positioning right. for change management. Hey, how about that? Yeah, thank you. That's awesome. Um, all right. So let's get into the first topic here today. You've kind of already, both of y'all kind of already opened up that can of worms. We're going to talk about uh, uh, Greg Davis. What is your perspective on the state of ERP today and shed some light on what's next for the enterprise? Sure. Yeah, ERP, you know, is a is obviously a, it's a conversation you don't want to bring up in a bar. You know, it's uh, somebody's somebody's always going to get upset one way or the other if you do. But, um, you know, the reality is a lot's changed in ERP over the last 34 years. But also the reality is a lot hasn't changed right mm. in the past 34 years. And that's just the truth. I mean, there's um, I think there's a lot of companies that are um, kind of stuck in more traditional ERP. You know, Lyle mentioned those straight jackets. Um, that the traditional ERPs kind of puts in, right? And they don't give you enough flexibility for growth and, and maneuvering. And I'll, there's a little bit of that that, I'm, that we see, you know, a lot more these days. And, and, you know, Matthew McConaughey always said, you know, he says, you know, you're revolving, right? Yes. And you need to evolve, right? So uh, I think that's true in, you know, corporate America today is, um, you know, really around the world. It's people are stuck, you know, we're, we just continue to, to customize, right, to, to revolve our current ERP situation, and we need to be moving on, right? There's just too much change going on yes. in the world. So, and when I'm, you know, we mentioned some of these, the, the framework that was mentioned there by one of the friends, you know, I always teach that ERP is enterprise resource planning, right? Nowhere right. in there does it say system, <laughs> right? Enterprise resource planning is a way of doing business, right? It's an integrated way of doing business. So, you know, you've got the financials, the distribution, right? Your manufacturing, your HR, your HR all that stuff is, is coming together, but it's more about the business, right? Um, leveraging those tools, right? It's not, a, it's not about the system. So, you know, I, in my world is in the consulting as Greg, you mentioned, you know, it's, it's, I hear a lot of the, the, customers come to us and say, we got problems, you know, our right. system, our systems won't let us do X, won't let us do Y, won't let us do Z. And it's really more, we find that either they, you know, it's, it's process issues, right? Um, it's data issues, um, lack of maybe organizational change management, you know, it's not the system's fault, right? Um, because our theory at, you know, at Grant Thornton is, you know, essentially all these ERPs, they do the same thing. 
-hmm. you know, it's the way we manage and run them that ultimately is going to determine our fate, whether it's favorable or unfavorable. So, um, and that's kind of going back to what Lyle was saying in the last segment is there's those handcuffs, right. That, that are there with some of the more traditional ERP solutions that don't allow you to be really nimble, right. That don't provide that flexibility. And as we all know today, if you can't change, you're going to be behind, right. And you're going right. to up to your competition. So, um, you know, we, we try to encourage people to, again, like Greg's mentioned, focus on, begin with the end in mind, focus on that ROI. I'll say that a million times. I apologize in advance, <laughs> but you know, if you don't have metrics that matter. So a lot of people come to me and they say, I have, I have ERP issues, right? right. And I say, okay, tell me more. Um, what are your metrics that matter? What are the, what are the metrics that matter to you? And the conversation immediately stops, you know, it's, and so it's more, they're, they're like we said at the onset, right? They're coming into work. They're expediters. They're just what issues are going to be on my desk when I get in there. Mm. And that's what they're addressing that day as opposed to, you know, being more strategic about things. So I try to, you know, make sure they understand, get, get control, right, of the things that aren't the system first, right? And then, you know, the ERP thing is going to work. So um, that's kind of the current state, you know, kind of what we see. And I'm sure there's a lot of people on here today that have some of that pain or seeing and experiencing some of that pain. I do think, you know, we talk about evolving. I think there is a need for the ERP 2.0 or kind of what's next, right? Where it's going. And a lot of that is the, you know, the, the, the no code push, you know, we see a lot of that now where companies don't want to customize anymore. I think, mm. So consultants like me have made, you know, have got a lot of work out of people customizing their systems, right? Mm -hmm. And looking to someone like me to help get them out of that, you know, and, and, you know, so we've still got RPG, right? Developers that are still out there, you know, right. and, and, and so there's still a lot of the customization and which is a, thing you don't want to bring up in a bar, add that to the list, but, you know, <laughs> customizations, you know, really, keep you from growing in the future. And so I think a lot now the shift we see is more to platform and capabilities, right. As opposed to code. So, um, you know, a platform allows you the ability through GUI and configuration to, you know, build your processes out, right. Enhance processes quickly uh, and you don't have to change code. Right. You know? So, so that's a, that's a big thing that we're seeing, you know, and you don't have to, you know, build something, then go put it in one environment, test it, go put it in another environment, test it, quarantine, you know, all that. You don't have to do that. You know, you just got to be able to react quickly, especially mm. today. So we always, we always say, Hey, platform is capability, right? System is code. So. All right. So, so I want to share, uh, Catherine, let's share that first tip there. Cause Greg touched on it. Greg White, I'm coming to you in just a second. So that first tip, if you're, if you're, uh, keeping count at home, don't customize unless it is sustainable. Instead, build, extend, and integrate where needed. Thank you for that. All right, so Greg White, man, opening salvo from Greg Davis there. But I want a little, little interstitial here, a little interstitial. I want to bring Ooh. in uh, Jason Kemp's comment. Greg Davis, the only guy I know that can work in a Matthew McConaughey quote into an ERP discussion. Now, i got to add a little something there because as Amanda um, – my dear Amanda here, the better half, she's taught me how to pronounce his name correctly. 
and it's Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, I think I, I think I got that right there, Greg White. Uh, but so uh, Matthew McConaughey and ERP, who would have thought? But Greg White. So your thoughts on the opening salvo there from Greg Davis? Yeah, I, I think um, the you know the idea around customization is is right on. Look, first of all. We've been able to we've been able to adapt technology using what I call virtual switches and dials for decades. I worked for a company in the '90s that did no custom code at all and could be used by retailers, wholesalers, manufacturers, people in various industries, um, hard goods, soft goods, food and beverage, all of those things without any customization. And all you do is you just program in those customizations that are repeated constantly. And to Greg's point, he has made a career of undoing a ton of customization. Well, guess what? The, the nature of the industry is that the software is this much of the expense when it comes to ERP. And the implementation is I don't have long enough fingers to show you. But, I mean, you can spend $10 million on an, on an ERP technology and spend 100 or 200 or $400 million customizing it and implementing it to your organization. And so there's there is this entire practice in in big companies, um, big tech, big, big consulting and, and tech implementation companies, where they make hundreds of millions, billions of dollars a year, that has encouraged traditional ERPs to stay with that model. Actually, it's practically forced them to do so because they don't get the sale if pick big four consulting firm doesn't get a four hundred million dollar implementation, right? So. The nature of what Greg is talking about is revolutionary. It's revolutionary in that for, you know, uh, a technology that can be can be adapted with switches and dials and no code applications and things like that. Um, there is no four hundred million dollar ticket to implementing it. And there's and we need more of that in in industry. And that is being demanded more and more by the generations coming into leadership in, right, yeah. in companies, right? Gen X, Y, and Z. So I think that's an important thing for people to understand, particularly as we continue this, this conversation. The other is that whole question around X, Y, and Z. Hey, we need the software to do X, Y, and Z. See, this becomes the, this becomes the, the client's foundational problem. They want the technology to do mm. what they want it to do. Again, they need it to deliver the outcome they want it to deliver, and that will determine what the technology should That's do. Right. I think one of the questions, I guarantee you this is a question that Greg Davis asks, and that is, should you even be doing X, Y, and Z? Mm. Why don't you tell me what you want X, Y, and Z to add up to, and then let's figure out what the alternatives to X, Y, and Z might be, right? So companies have to come into this, this world of, of tran transformation with an open mind as to what they'll do, but a very clear picture of what they want to achieve. Mm. Clarity is a beautiful thing. Eloquent, both of y'all. Uh, man, we got quite uh, a discussion. We're, we're only not even halfway done. So, uh, Greg Davis, I'm coming to you in just a second, but I want to point out two quick things. Uh, we're getting questions around, are we recording this session? Yes. The good news is, folks, you can get this session on demand uh, across our live stream network, across uh, the Supply Chain Now podcast network coming soon. So, hey, you can tune in the whole thing. And then secondly, I think for perspective, uh, Catherine and Amanda, if we could drop the first episode of the series, right, installment number one with Lyle Ekdahl, if we could drop that in the, in the chat so folks can listen to the first one and then this one as well. 
That'd be that'd be a dynamite. Um, okay, Greg Davis. Hey, can, I, can I acknowledge yeah, one person there, John Funley? Yeah. Yes. Um, he knew exactly what company I was talking about because I believe John. Correct me if I'm wrong. He was at Williams Sonoma when we implemented there. Um, and John has been, he has been, um, in that sort of transformational ERP industry uh -huh. for a long, long time. So not well, a terribly so. long time, John, no more than two decades. <laughs> yeah. um, That's right. Very knowledgeable. Seeing a lot of familiar names out there. It's good to see everybody. Funny how quickly they come back around, isn't it? Greg? Right. It is. Uh, and, and Hey, Catherine reminded me, find us on YouTube. You can find the previous episode and today's episode, of course. And Jim Brandt, excellent comment here. A problem well-defined is already half solved. It's one of my favorite, uh, finding that root cause uh, the real right. root cause. Um, okay. So Greg Davis, the plot thickens here. So I got a three part question I want to pose to you, right? Right. Uh, so first off, how do you decode digital transformation to, in your mind, to your customers, Grant Thornton colleagues, how do you see digital transformation being embraced and evolving over the next few years? And, and really, you know, what's next for digital transformation, Greg Davis? Well, I think my answer, you're already going to know, it's ROI, you know, so that to me personally, digital transformation, a lot of people just do things for the sake of doing them. And unfortunately, with digital transformation, you know, everybody's saying that phrase, right? Everybody says digital transformation. Yeah. And, you know, it's almost used as a punchline to where, you know, we're we're modernizing things. You know, we're we're getting more technically advanced and it's really not the case. I mean, I think you have to keep your eyes on the prize and be looking at ROI. Um, and so that's the Greg Davis answer. I think the Grant Thornton answer, the things that we're always talking to customers about when they say, hey, what, what can we do to help our digital transformation efforts move forward? As we say, okay, there's three, right? Okay, it's operational efficiencies, yeah. right? What can we do to improve or address, you know, the operational efficiencies? And can we do that through technology? Can we do that through automation? Those types of things. Second thing is revenue, right? Revenue channels, you know, um, alternative and new revenue channels. As you guys know, that was kind of part of the problem with even Greg, you mentioned some people, you know, kudos and round of applause to some of the people that uh, put in ERP using standard functionality only, right? And they did not customize, but then what they get to a point in life where business changes, right? Acquisitions happen, disruption happens, right? And then you have to change your business model and how easily can you do that? You know, and you were in the standard functionality, so you've been given the tools that the, the that the software can provide. But now you need to do something different. Then what do you do? You know, and so you get faced with that. So we have to be able to identify, you know, especially you know post pandemic, right? New and alternative revenue models. So again, you know that that'd be the the second one. The third one I think is you know just you have to move your customer and or user experience position forward. Mm. So, you, you know, we have to keep your eyes on the customers and you have to internally keep your eyes on the organization and improve that user experience. And that and that's huge today, you know, because we have a lot of customers that are using the systems that they've inherited from long ago. Right. And so they're just either trying to build better mousetraps or trying to get used to the, the functionality and things like that. But so the common denominator in those three things is customers. Right and organization, your organization, mm -hmm. you know? And so 
I think a lot of people just think digital transformation is, you know, taking an update or we're getting current, you know, and things like that. It's wow. not the case. That's not the case, right? It's you have to be focused on your customers and your organization and moving that forward with technology. And that's digital transformation. So that's the key thing. I think, you know, um, we, we, we hear a lot that, okay, things are going poorly for us with our system. So we're going to just, we have a huge digital transformation effort going on. And I think what we help them realize is digital transformation, once you know what it is, is not a silver bullet, right, to fix poor process or poor data. You know, it doesn't do that. And in fact, you have to have a healthy foundation before you can capitalize on any tech, right? And so a lot of times we have to tell people, slow down, you know, <laughs> slow down. We got to really, Greg, to your point earlier, get back to what's the source of the problem. You know, what what are we really trying to fix? Hmm. And a lot of people don't have the operating model. You know, they don't have the data management, the maturity model, right? They don't have governance. There's a lot of things you have to have before before you get there. But to answer your question, Scott, that's that's kind of the three key things. Focus yep. on the organization, the customers, the revenue model, and then things will work out technically. Love that. All right. And there's three things, again, operate, operational efficiencies at revenue model, customer and user experience. Uh, love that. And it brings us to the second tip that Greg Davis laid out there. And let's share that visual. Empower your organization and your customers through digital transformation efforts, right? That There's a ton of power in true collaboration. Uh, Greg White, I can't wait to hear your comments here on uh, where we're headed. I think that, you know, the important thing to understand is, is the organization both inside and outside your four walls, because if nothing is changing faster than that. Right. Right. I mean, we're going through an incredible generational change wherein um, baby boomers are exiting the workforce at 10,000 a day, an extra 3.1 million of them exited the workforce in 2021. So, um, and some of those jobs will never come back. And that's right. That's a great, and it's an incredible potential loss of tribal knowledge in, in a company. So the ability to, and the, the, um, action of actively training and engaging your people so that they understand the why of what they're doing as much as the how to of what they're doing is really, really critical. Um, because you don't have books and websites and all kinds of information to refer back to because most of that was in your parents' head. So when they left, a lot of that knowledge left with them and and uh, a lot of organizations are starting over nearly from scratch on a, mm. on a number of things. So, um, we, you know, I think the empowerment of the organization, the simplification of interaction with technology you know, the tech, the terminology I've used for 10 years or so is, is appification. We need mm -hmm. to amplify even the most complex of mm -hmm. technologies. Of course, give the ability to dig in, dig deeper and get uh, more detail if necessary. But if you can just present someone with a, a, maybe a recommendation or maybe simply something to approve outside of bounds where the, the tech, technology is more prescriptive, right? meaning it will actually take the action, absent action from a human being, um, and alert you if they're, you know, you're outside kind of normal bounds or whatever. That kind of, of technology is going to become more and more a part of what we're doing. That's what AI can do for us, is take mm -hmm. what we have as humans and extract emotion, forgetfulness, right, bias, 
Um, and bad days, stress, all that. Bad days, stress, and, and just the general the general intent to please the boss, right? And just do what is right and prescribed for a, a certain situation. So I was trying to, uh, Greg Davis, with Greg White's Journey t-shirt he was wearing, I was trying to find a great segue with Don't Stop Believing, but it's just outside of my reach. So we'll keep driving. We'll work it in later. Get, get a few more all right, folks, a lot of good stuff there. Appification. I love that phrase. Um, all right. So let's keep driving here. Uh, Greg Davis back with you. I want to talk about how uh, the severity and frequency of recent and current global supply chain disruptions continue to impact your clients and the industries you're working in regularly. And how are they preparing maybe with you for what's next in their space? Greg Davis. Yeah, I think there's uh, obviously more, you know, disruption um, change in the supply chain than, than ever before. I think everybody would acknowledge that. I think a, a key differentiator for um, for companies today that are doing, a, doing well is the proactive management of the supply chain, right? They're not just long gone are the days where you can just react quickly, you know, and, and you know, you have to be proactively monitoring and managing the supply chain. And so what we see, you know, what, when we're talking to customers today, you know, is really that there's five key themes or impacts to that disruption. Okay. You know, the one is the rising costs, right, out there to produce and serve the market. Um, the second one being is it hurts everybody, the labor shortage. You know, there is a labor shortage out there that we can all acknowledge um, that, again, impacts the supply chain. The inability of training trading partners, you know, to deliver, right? We just SLA doesn't mean anything anymore, um, you know. So we have to we have to manage that. The inability of um, the trading partners, but then the demand for digital solutions is a huge uptick. We see that, you know, um, you know, supply chain execution. The net of it is it requires, you know, technology, sophistication, automation, right, to make it go. And, and we see that now more than ever, right? And there was a lot of, I think, companies that were using spreadsheets forever and phone calls, right? And, and when you have this disruption and this change, you know, that, that goes out the window. So, and then the fifth thing we see is complexity and risk. Obviously, that's growing on a daily basis. So, again, it's the um, proactive management of those variables. So, again, we used to let those five things just kind of impact us. And then we had people that were really go-getters and, you know, yeah. high, high on the effort scale and could go do it um, and hope for the best, but you can't do that right now. And we need systems that enable us, right? You have to have the, the technology and the platforms that can enable you to quickly make changes to your systems and automation, like Greg said, is a huge part of that. But, um, and, you know, a lot of, a lot of our companies, like I said, they, they think the system is the problem, right? And a lot of times it's the operating model or the, even if you don't have the operating model to find it's your target operating model. You gotta, you know, we, we, we talk with a lot of customers and they, they tell us their problems, you know, and then it really comes down to, it's not the system again, it's the operating model. Right. And so we always encourage them, let's address that operating model. Right. And, and let's allow that operating model to be able to react. Right. So that you're not always, you know, having to blame the system or, or deal with a system issue. So, you know, and a lot of times people think the, again, their supply chain experience is based on what's happening to them, 
you know, we have to say you got to have the tools in place and the technology in place, right, to mitigate all that. You know that you're. We can't be prepared for everything, but you can be prepared for a lot more than you are today, right? And so, you know, that's what that's what we do. That's what we are mostly helping customers understand. A lot of that came from the surveys we did during the pandemic, right? right. You know, Grant Thornton, we surveyed all of our customer base, audit, tax, and advisory, and and wanted to know what they were experiencing year one, year two. Now, you know, what's what's going on with the supply chain? So we're we're active, actively monitoring this and, and trying to look at it. But that's those are the those are the big disruptors and the impacts that we're seeing out there today, Greg and Scott. Okay. So hey, uh, let's share one of the things, tip number three that Greg Davis touched on there. Uh, and you know, roulette is a game best played in Vegas, not in supply chains. But one of the things I picked up from Greg Davis, address your supply chain operating model and then advance with digital transformation. So, hey, for the sake of time, I'm going to move right into uh, this next ta- uh, topic here. And, folks, uh, in the comments, hey, let us know what you're thinking. What are some of your rules and tips as you navigate your own digital transformation? Um, Greg Davis, let's talk about why it's important to understand organizational change management um, and other aspects of change, right? We're digesting tons of change. Greg, what you right. know, I've talked about this endlessly uh, the last few years. Mm-hmm. Um but also touch on some of those changes associated with what's next in terms of technologies and supply chain management. Greg Davis, your thoughts. You know, technology is a key driver of corporate change. And I think that's what companies have to realize if they don't already. I know it seems like it's, uh, you know, that's, that's something we all know and say, you don't need me to come on one of these webcasts <laughs> and say that. But the reality is we got people out there in, you know, in the corporate America and IT that don't value the importance of change management. And it is, it's arguably the most important, you know, variable. Um, you know, I've, I've, we've got people in, you know, in IT working for companies and they, you know, that don't even know what social media is, you know, and, and uh, so there's just a, there's a big change that that's, that's happened and a shift. And, and when we talk about change management to us, it's not just like a newsletter, right. And it's not, um, you know, a training course, it's, it's not an email, you know, it's not awareness, you know, it's really a lot more than that. It's about, you know, the tools that you have to run your job, right? It's a, it's about um, a job impact analysis, you know, it's about future, it's about continuing education, it's about so much more than that. And, and, and Greg, you know, from all the projects, right? I mean, we always, as IT professionals, make an issue, we work so hard to get the software ready for the business, right? And in reality, you need a lot more time getting the business ready for the software and the tools. Mm. This never happens, right? It never works like that. So, you know, there's a lot of a lot of people that know change management is an offering, right? They know it's something they need, but it's usually a thing that, you know, frankly gets left out of the budget or something like that. But I always tell my customers, hey, whether you do it or we do it, somebody's got to do it. Right. If if nobody's managing the change or providing that organizational change management, then it's probably going to fail. Right. Or it'll be a success to to IT and a failure to the business or vice versa. Right. So Mm. we see a lot of themes. You know, some of the themes we see out there are, um, you know, supply chain agility. So, you know, you got to have constant innovation now and change capability. Right. So it's not just like, hey, we're going live. And then five years later, you're going to have the same user procedure that you did, you know, when we went live. No way. That just doesn't happen anymore. Right. 
So you got to have that agility. Um, and that's a common theme here to all these topics is how agile, you know, are you as an organization, you know, with your systems. Um, a second one we always see in change management is technology builds trust. So it's something everybody should know if you don't already. I mean, platforms that maximize your capability as a user and give you, you know, the freedom and empower you, you know, those are the, the higher performing corporations, right? Um, that the user doesn't feel like the system is a limitation. So technology mm -hmm. absolutely builds trust, change adoption and acceptance. So you'll have a higher, you know, acceptance of organizational adoption um, with those tools. You know, if you, if you enable your users in the organization with technology, you're going to have a higher, you know, efficiency. You're going to have a higher user exception, all those things in a, mm -hmm. in a culture. So, Again, you know, you have to focus on change management. And I would tell you that, you know, it's a dynamic world, as you guys know, um, and a dynamic organization in, in this environment, you have to have a dynamic culture. So you have to have people that are used to change, can get comfortable with being uncomfortable, right? And in a dynamic culture. So that's what we're seeing a lot in change management. Greg White, I'm coming to you next, but Greg Davis, you got to preach that louder for the folks in the back because that, that there's so much truth there. Being a comfortable, being uncomfortable. Let's let's focus in on that tip four. Uh, a dynamic environment requires a dynamic organizational culture. Talk about a t-shirtism. That is certainly one. And uh, Greg White, coming to you next. But speaking of t-shirtisms, uh, old T squared who holds down the fort for us on YouTube really appreciated the appification. And, and added that is another t-shirtism from our, our chat here today. But Greg White, talk about uh, managing change and how that factors into uh, the path ahead as well, Greg. Well, like Greg said, it, it is culture driven. First of all, you have to be able to embrace change to even think about a digital transformation. And mm -hmm. importantly, uh, you have to understand that the change comes uh preemptively to implementing the technology and rapidly after implementing the technology because a technology only knows what you tell it vis-a-vis -vis data, right? Or process descriptions or de definitions and things like that. And then it ruthlessly and efficiently executes based on what you've told it it needs as knowledge and what you tell it it needs to do and, and to accomplish. And that will rapidly expose any slack or weakness or failures that you have in your organization or business process. The old, another cultural adage, uh, sorry, another consulting adage is as the water recedes, the rocks are exposed. And, you know, working as I did in supply chain, where we would rapidly bring down inventories. If you have processes that, that are, that require you to have slack excess inventory, our solution would rapidly expose that. So right. we got to the point where we tried to preempt that and have companies recognize that that was going to happen and then and then prepare them to make those changes. And then longer term, you have to be, as we talked about, right, business is dynamic. You have to be aware that there are certain immutable laws of nature in business. And that is, one, you will fall into bad habits and poor practice in your processes and that will sub-optimize the technology. Processes, as Greg said, will change over time because the business changes, the customer mix changes, whatever. Um, and you need, to, you need to be able to both recognize and adapt to those either by altering 
your interaction with the technology or maybe even the technology itself or by recommitting to good practice in your business. I can tell you that I have seen many companies go, I've been on the beneficial end of this many times. We need new technology. Our technology doesn't work for us anymore. Uh And the truth is they've fallen into bad practice. Mm. And, And in classic fashion, I help them get into better practice. And at about the same time, precisely at the same time, that they implemented our technology, which in some cases, very few, very rare. No one would be opportunistic in this situation. Right, right. In some cases, they could have done the very same thing on the technology that they already had and solved their problem. I mean, that's hmm. God's honest truth from a reformed technology. <laughs> right? You're keeping it real. I appreciate okay. that, Greg White. Uh, all right. So, hey, really quick, we've got a ton of great comments. We, we can't get to all of them. Uh, I love Carl Yost keeping us, keeping Matthew McConaughey with us. All right. All right. All right. Uh, Gino's talking about some things he learned the hard way that Greg Davis touched on. Uh, Jim's talking about change management is the touchstone to building a sustainable culture. And Barbara, so true here. Oh, yes. Get comfortable at being uncomfortable. That's a uh, that's, should be one of our, our tips here today. Um, I, look, I, I want to address that particular yeah, point. There are people yeah. who are comfortable being uncomfortable, and there are people who are com- who have no discomfort with that kind of transition. And I think one thing that organizations need to do is is root out, find, and and embrace those people and have them be the lead, the cornerstone right. of their trans transformation. Because some people often it's the younger people in your organization. You know who they are. They're kind yeah. of generically risk takers, but, uh-huh. um, but those are the people that you can put in the forefront who have no fear of this change. And then they can be, they can be an example for the rest of the organization going forward because the, tr- the, the true fact of implementation is you don't force adoption. You don't force buy-in. You demonstrate success, which causes buy-in to happen to a transformation. Mm. And those people are great examples. Look Love for that. those people in your organization. Love that. Uh, and when you said merciless, mercilessly earlier, it reminded me of the uh, who's arch rival of Flash Gordon, because he, he was something the merciless, I believe. Ming the merciless. Man? Ming merciless. That's right. Yeah, Ming the merciless. I didn't realize okay. that was Flash Gordon. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we got four down. We got two more to go. Greg yeah. Davis. Uh, and Greg White, both of y'all, man, we've got quite the dynamic duo. Uh, Greg Davis, from your perspective, what are other hot topics most important to your clients across all industries as they plan for what's yeah. next in their business? Yeah, I think, you know, customization is always one that comes up. I think we've hit that one pretty hard, you know, and I just go back to, you know, we we, we joke around a little bit. What we say with customizations, it's, hey, the more you do, the less you do, Right. Do less is kind of what we tell them, you know, if for those of us seen the movie. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just don't do it right. I mean, and but we can talk about ways to, to dig out of that hole. But lately it's been more, hey, everybody wants to talk speed to value, right? Everybody wants to talk, especially the C-suite. They want to know, hey, we got to be able, I want value. I need it quick. And we need tools that allow you to do that in days or weeks and not months or years, right? Mm-hmm. So, say you got to be able to have a process or a new process, enhance it, right? And be able to implement it and get it in in a short amount of time, right? And there's tools that allow you to do that and there's tools that don't. So we, we talk a lot about that and we try to get them more geared towards platforms and things we've already discussed. 
automation, Greg White hit it on, you know, um, hit the nail on the head there. You know, that's, that's the other big thing that we're talking about. And, and there's, there's really five things in the, the intelligent automation spectrum that we're seeing out there. The first one's the machine learning enhanced character recognition. You know, I think everybody sees and is hearing more and more every day about the value that that can bring. You know, I right. think there's still some things that are maturing in that space, but um, that would be number one system driven learning, right? Um, prediction, pattern identification. Those are some other things that, uh, that we work with organization or the organization, the forward thinkers are looking through that. Greg, it's kind of like what you were talking about. You know, we need things that quickly alert us, right. When we're, when we're falling out of line and, right. and we're seeing a lot more of that, uh, analytics is key, you know, data information, knowledge is key. So data analytics and visualization is another thing you know, that, that we're talking to customers about. The fourth one is, isn't the no code, right? Again, it comes up every day, enterprise applications, right? And platform focused, um, you know, there's low code, no code. Rob Fisher, I saw had a comment about digital transformation being yeah. esoteric. Um, great word. I think the same can be applied to low code, no code, because everybody just throws them out there, you know, and and the reality is that low code is still code, right? And it still needs to be addressed, changed, and it's debt associated with all those customizations and programming. So no code is a big one. Um, and then the fifth one is just the RPA or robotic process automation, you know, and a, a lot of companies are using those to um, automate things that potentially have hindered them in the past. So, you know, I think the automation we've hit on, but, you know, there's a lot of different, a lot of companies don't know where to jump in and what right. to automate. They just know, hey, I need to automate stuff, you know, and, and you really, you know, we, we take a hard look at, you know, data, people, processes, technology, as you guys mentioned, and you can find the ideal candidates. I mean, you know, we know, you know, a lot of people just think, hey, I need to automate that. And, 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 and you really need to look at the ones, again, not to beat a dead horse, but that give you the ROI. So I, we always say, don't just automate for the sake of automating, you know, know what you're doing. And I'll leave you with this on the automation thing. You know, there, it's not just some benefits. There's a ton of benefits to that, right? There's hard and soft dollar benefits to, to that. You know, the hard dollar benefits are your time savings, your cost savings, your efficiency gains, you know, but really the, the key thing to me is those soft benefits, right? That you get, um, you know, you got, improved customer satisfaction, right? You got improved internal user organization and change management. I mean, those soft benefits are much larger than the hard uh, when it comes to automation. I think you're growing as an organization with technology and that's huge. Yeah, well said. All right, let's throw up number, tip number five before I come get Greg White's quick, quick commentary there. Uh, listen, write this down. Automate where you will receive return on investment. Don't just automate. For the sake of automation, words to live by. Greg White, your quick comment and response there. Yeah, I think if I had to pick a hot topic, um, it, it would be that cloud is now presumed, right? The power of cloud technologies is now presumed. And, and I'll talk in very basic terms about what the power is. One, it's literally unlimited processing power, right? It's the ability to do, as, as both Gregs have talked about, um, to, to be able to build a technology without custom code because that technology, because uh, a technology company is now building one code base and deploying it to all of their customers, then even if something is arguably a customization for a single customer, it's in 
a, a constantly supported uh, code base because there is only one, right? Mm. Um, and then, and then, of course, the, the the ability to appify and still customize, or not customize, configure deeply in great measure for um, for every type of company exists, and and that constantly moving, and yet constantly monitored, monitored, sustained, and supported development platform that Greg keeps talking about is is ever evolving and yet ever stable and ever supported. So, uh -huh. um, you know, I think the, there is now this presumption out there that that's what technology is. People don't even refer to cloud anymore. They just now believe that technology ought to be that way. It ought to be like the apps on your phone, right? It ought to just, if you ask for a feature a week later, a month later, a year later, whatever it takes, yep. it just appears and you don't have to do a thing. So I think there's a lot of, uh, you know, there's a lot of power in that. And I think people have not only recognized the power of cloud, it's almost become the Kleenex of technology and they just presume it. Right? Love that. Yeah. I do. I yeah. The way things ought to be uh, with Greg White, new series coming to you here. Uh, hey, Greg and Greg. And by the way, I think Greg White spoke in dual third person there a minute ago. The, White, the Gregs did say this. Uh, yeah. I love this comment from Harry here. Harry says, do you know what you get when you automate waste? Yeah, waste Harry, that is automated. Greg Davis, you had a quick comment there. Sorry, yeah, Harry's right. I mean, we we have a lot of customers that automate bad processes, and such as that's, that's uh, Harry's point right there. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And it, all right, I know Harry. He's made a career of eliminating the waste in those processes. So, um, yeah, he knows of what he speaks for sure. Harry, great to have you here. All of y'all know we can't get to all the comments and we're we're a little behind time here. So hey, we're gonna bring it all together here. Greg Davis, one, one of the final questions here. What's next to bring all this together for companies? Yeah, I think you, you have to look at your agility, right? As a company, you have to see how agile are we? Let's take inventory, right? And assess where we're at. Um, and you have to look at, you know, how are you still, you know worried about cover sheets for your TPS reports? Are you, you know, <laughs> worried about moving forward and advancing, right? And, and eliminating waste, right? And, and focusing on efforts that uh, give you the return on investment. So, you know, we, today we're talking with customers again about your platform, right? Just making sure they have, no matter what system they're on, do you have the capabilities to quickly react, right? Um, and there's some that do it well and some that don't. And some of, some of you out there are stuck with the system that you're on you know, and, but you don't have to be, you know, there's, there's, there's ways to make some changes. So you can look to the platform, you know, you can look to no code options, right? Again, going back to what we said earlier, again, no code, definitely better than low code, right? Um, you want to try to avoid that technical debt wherever you can, mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. you know, and let your technology, you know, grow your business uh, as opposed to hinder it. And then, you know, embracing change, you know, you got to related to current and future, you know, you guys mentioned it earlier, the future and current or the current and future talent levels that are out there. You know, that's probably going to be an issue for the next several years. Um, right. As, as we change and, and grow through that. And you know, there's a lot of people entering our workspace and a lot of people leaving it, you know, and, and that, um, you know, so agile organizations, right, empower individuals. So we keep telling people that. So and, and what does it take to be agile? We well, have to have the systems that enable you to be agile. 
I love that, Greg Davis. Let's let's drop that up there. Agile organizations empower individuals, and that's how you move mountains and better compete and handle change and succeed and a lot more. Uh, all right, so Greg White, get your final comment uh, on you know what is next that Greg Davis is talking about, bringing this together for companies and people and leaders. Yeah, embracing change means building a, a, a change culture into the culture of your company. You have to expect embrace and even seek out change in an organization that is that is already operating relatively efficiently. I'm a big, this drives people crazy, but I'm a big, I'm not a, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I'm an, if it ain't broke, break it kind of. Uh-huh. Thing. And, um, and that is more and more the world we live in because if you don't break it, if you don't uh, redesign it, as somebody said in the comments earlier, if you don't redesign it, you will fall behind and you will be disrupted, upended, outflanked, whatever. Call it whatever you want. Right. There is no resting on your laurels anymore. And I think the good news is that the generations that are coming into leadership and into the workforce, they really, really embrace that change. They want to change things. Some of them just for the sake of change, unfortunately, but that can be trained. Right. Mm. But the spirit of change, the spirit of embracing change is more difficult to train. You really need to try to recruit it. Yeah. Well said, Greg. Times keep it changing as they should. Uh, Greg White and Greg Davis love this conversation we're having here today. And hey, the, the gift that keeps on giving, as I think this is Quentin, those TPS reports, Office Space, the movie, the gift that keeps on giving for sure. I like your analogies, uh, Greg Davis. I knew you'd fit right in with us here today. Um, all right. So, hey, heads up to our production team. We're going to keep Greg Davis with Greg and I through uh, today's close because I got a, just a couple of final questions. Uh, folks, hey, make sure you check out the first episode with Lyle. Uh, you can check out this episode on demand uh, as you dive in deeper. Some of the things we, we, we tackled today. But uh, Greg Davis, really quick, in a nutshell, what do you do at Grant Thornton and how can folks connect with you? Well, really all the things we've talked about today are, are things we're trying to help customers with, you know, um, global advisory practice. These are the things that, you know, give us passion, right? And what we wake up wanting to do and, and you know, and help people um, in these areas and, and be, you know, not uh, delay any of the problems, but, you know, fix them, right? And, and help to, to reinstill that method to the madness and focus on ROI, make sure you're getting you know, the return on your investment as opposed to becoming expediters. So. Yes. I love that, man. Do something about it. Uh, and folks, we dropped a link uh, to Greg Davis on LinkedIn. You can check him out there. Uh, or if you're at NFL draft tonight, Greg, uh, right. or, or folks out there listening or viewing, they might can run into you there as well. Greg Davis. Is that right? Yeah, I'll be there. I'll be there. <laughs> I hope all your teams pick the right person. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Hey, really quick, Brett Lewis, uh, check this out. Uh, it looks like we may have just hit a, a technology snag there. That happens from time to time. But hey, Greg Davis, Brett Lewis has coined you as the digital transformation whisperer. How about that? That's high praise, huh? Yeah, I'll take it. You know, <laughs> I, I, uh, I get called a lot worse every day. So I, I, I love that. <laughs> well, hey, uh, as opposed to whispering, I hope you keep shouting from the mountaintops because the message that you and Greg White both delivered here today leaders, team members, no matter where you are, we need to embrace it. Um, Before we give Greg Davis uh, the closing comment, uh, Greg White, and hey, Murphy's Law is alive and well in global technology. Uh, 
What, so Greg White, what was your favorite? What was one of, we covered a lot of ground here today. Greg White, what was one of your favorite things that we heard here from Greg Davis? Uh, I think it's so encouraging to hear this notion of sort of a new way to embrace technology, particularly ERP, um, and to eliminate, this is very simple, but it's so critical to eliminate customization. That is so big. Mm-hmm. Um, that, I mean, that's, that's a huge aspect of creating a sustainable and continually, continually feasible operating model for companies is to eliminate that customization. But, but also, I think the important thing is, look, regardless of the technology, it is all about the culture and the people, right? Technology is going to automate a lot of jobs. And, and by the way, I believe we're in, we're in a space in our uh, in the time-space continuum, Scott, for you, the, the right, space nerd, um, <laughs> in, our, in our space-time continuum, where we no longer need to apologize for automation and autonomous um, doing work, because either those jobs are too expensive, right, the $500,000 a year we pay to actuaries, which will ultimately be completely automated, if it hasn't in a lot of cases already, um, or the jobs that nobody wants, the dark, dirty, dangerous, and dull jobs that we talk about so often that are better performed and people are staying away from in droves. So this allows us to recruit and to enable a much, much more dynamic organization and create a an organization and a culture of change uh, because they don't have to be worried about, you know, the... Um, you know, the, the tightness of that bolt, right? Yeah, What's the right. factor on, on that bolt? Um, because that can be handled with automation. So it really enables people to use the better parts of their mind and capabilities. Beautifully said. All right. So Greg Davis, I'm coming to you for the final word in just a second, but babe, before we do love this discussion today, thanks for everybody that showed up and dropped the comments. And we couldn't get to a lot of them. Hey, big thanks again to next world, our sponsors of this decoding digital transformation very popular uh, limited run series here at Supply Chain Now. You can learn more about all the cool things Next World is up to at nextworld.net. And hey, be sure to join us for the third and final installment where we're bringing Greg Davis back. We're bringing, bringing the band back together. Greg Davis, Lyle Ekdahl, all by, everybody coming back for a um, an on-demand or a live webinar. Mark your calendars for July 18th at 12 noon Eastern time. All right, so Greg Davis, if you had to boil it all down to your final word, challenge, closing statements to our global supply chain now fan, what would that be, Greg Davis? Well, I think I, I you know, I, I gave you a McConaughey quote earlier, so I probably, <laughs> owe, I probably owe you a better one. And I'll go to one of my favorites. And, you know, it's a Martin Luther King quote. One of my all-time favorites is, you know, you don't have to see the whole staircase. You know, you just have to take the first step. Mm. So I think a lot of our people that feel stuck, you know, in the, in, with technology, you don't have to change overnight. You know, there's ways to take that first step, you know, and, and you can get that ROI. It's not that hard, you know. Um, so there's hope out there, right? You don't have to just keep continuing to deal with this stuff. There's ways you can you can take that step forward. And there's people out there that, that can help. So that's right. There is hope. Hang in there, you know, take some take the first step. Love that. Uh, Greg Davis, principal at Grant Thornton. Thanks so much for joining us here today. Thanks for having me. All right. Big thanks to Greg White. Big thanks to Greg Davis. Thanks to all y'all tuned in. Uh, If you missed part of it, hey, it's on demand coming to a podcast and YouTube near you. But whatever you do, folks, take this this excellent uh, advice and insights and expertise from, from Greg Davis and Greg White and do something with it. Deeds, not words. And, and beyond it all, 
Scott Luton, as we wrap up here today, challenging you to do good, to give forward, and to be the change. And we'll see you next time right back here at Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at SupplyChainNow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts. And follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now. Supply Chain Now.